0: our culture, as Mindy kind of said, can focus a little bit and perhaps encourage complaints. I think there's other aspects of our culture like an individualism and you could say capitalism that have developed so many good things, right? People beginning their own businesses people developing organizations. And what happens with capitalism is if your business is good, it grows. So what people want to do then is to find out what's wrong, what isn't working. And so then they have feedback response loops to find out if some service was not very good that they received so they can maybe train their employees a little bit better. And, and they, they work to adjust some processes that seem to be cumbersome so that the product can be brought to the shelves a little bit easier and perhaps at a, at a better price. All these feedback loops, customer service departments that we can contact and give our opinion or relay how things have happened. It's developed a high level and high value of customer satisfaction. A good thing for all of us who like to go to businesses to experience good care to to you know bite into that great juicy medium rare to rare burger and have it actually be medium rare to rare, right? Businesses developing those opportunities. It's a good thing, but I think there's this negative side to this feedback loop, this desire to always give commentary on something that we experience that has become a part of our culture, creates this natural desire to think every opinion or everything that we have to say is important, (laughs) and it's it's worthy of of putting out there. Um, And I think the internet has exacerbated this for us. You can, you can come across complaints and commentary on just about anything. You see some article online that you wholeheartedly agree with, but then you go look at the comment section where all those opinions and those things are listed down and it could be maybe perhaps frustrating. You can read those comment sections, the letter to the editor, the opinion pieces, and you can find as many complaints as you want. If you're a glutton for punishment like me, you continually, for some reason, still click on that comment. Not to comment, but just to read what other people think. Why? Why do we inundate ourselves with all of these opinions all the time? You can find complaints regarding people, position statements, purchases that have been made. Most recently, I saw complaints about the Tokyo Olympics. Years ago, I remember there was one channel you could watch the Olympics on, right? You only turned it to one channel, and whatever was there is what you got. There was it didn't matter if the basketball game was going on during volleyball or during, you know, uh, synchronized swimming. Uh, you're going you're gonna to see what's there and you don't have the opportunity to watch those things. Now there's so multiple channels, I found complaints about there being too many channels and that people didn't know where to go to watch what they wanted. Complaints. And there's even some complaints I saw about Simone Biles not competing. If you're not familiar, Simone Biles is an American gymnast and, and she was likely favored to win the all-around and to do really, really well and, and she backed out of the competition for mental health reasons. And, and so these complaints were essentially saying, your mental health is not as important as our country winning a gold medal. What does that say? What does that show that our priorities are complaints? Call it what you want, grumbling, murmuring, opinions. And the thing about that is none of those honor God or think about the well-being of other people, or at least most of them don't. Perhaps we can find ourselves in this loop of being so used to hearing complaining and you don't really even have to go to the internet to hear it. You could, you could be, you know, around the water cooler at work. You could overhear discussions as you're sitting in a restaurant. You could, you could dive into that territory. We're often almost inviting it sometimes, an invite in complaint. And, and I think we all can get trapped in it. This last week Emily said, can you go 24 hours without complaining? I'm proud to say I lasted 45 minutes. (laughs) Maybe I'm not proud to say that. But we went out to lunch, and then we came back, and I said, man, it is just so humid and hot. And I was complaining about the weather creating an attitude of complaint. And we can read about these grumblings, these, these complaints in Scripture too. And you can find them actually in the Old Testament historical books you can find them in in the Psalms you can find them in the, the prophetic books and you can read about them in the New Testament too in the Gospels and the letters as we move from last week uh, where in Philippians we we were talking about how to have a, a mind of Christ where we said you're not the most important person in the room right that's that's not the way we are we want to have an attitude of humility where we honor others, and, and consider their opinions above ourselves. Now we're going to look at another fruit that comes from that, which has to do with how people are to live in light of complaining. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to go to Philippians 2, 12 through 18. That's like page 952 in that black hardback Bible, if you're not there already. And we'll look at verses 12 to 18, and Hunter's going to throw that on the screen for me. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according or order in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's a reference back to uh, the Old Testament there. Uh, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad to rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. As Paul explains what it means to live that life that's worthy of Christ, that's from the first chapter He he gets into this humility aspect, and he gets into this emulating of Christ. And now he says, work out your salvation in a way where you're not grumbling. Now, I want to just take a side note here. The work out your salvation does not mean your salvation is based on your work, the things you do. Your salvation is not based on your work. It's based on... The work of Christ, and then the response to that is the work that Christ does through us, right? And so that doesn't mean you work for your salvation. We respond to it, and God works through us. And so we're supposed to do all of this, all of this response to God, all of this living throughout life without grumbling. You know, the only other time Paul uses this phrase is actually in 1 Corinthians, where, where um, you know, he cites that there's grumbling of the Israelites. So likely right now he's referring back to the Israelites, saying, Don't live and don't fall short the way that the Israelites did when they were in the wilderness. Don't don't go to that grumbling place where you're unable to see the work of God, or maybe even be open to what God is doing in a specific situation. So let's hear for a moment some of these sections of the Old Testament that focus on the grumbling of the Israelites. To give you kind of a context, after Moses was used by God to to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt, they they would experience amazing acts of God, uh, but they would also, um, they would also grumble. The, the people would experience the ability to be rescued and protected and fed, and their, their clothing wouldn't deteriorate for the, the years that they were going to be out in this desert, and yet they still griped and grumbled for what they had lost, or what they had thought they lost. And what, what ends up happening is God kind of gets sick of their rotten, grumbling attitude and their inability to trust him. So he decided to say, none of you are actually going to live in the promised land. You're not going to see the purposes and, and get to what the whole plan was about. You're going to stay back, but your children will go forward. So here's the areas that they grumbled. Exodus 14, verses 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, so, so they left Egypt, and now they're being chased by Pharaoh who had a change of heart. The Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, you brought us out here to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been Better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. And then Exodus 16, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if we only had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then from Exodus 17 verse 3, but the people were thirsty for water and they grumbled against Moses. They said, "Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst?" And then Numbers 11 Now the people complained about their hardships in the Lord's or in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. This, This is the heritage of grumbling that caused some to die in the desert rather than seeing a different way forward, seeing and recognizing that God will be Providing and providing provision. Because what happens is they thirst. And, and what does the Lord do? He, he brings out water from a rock, not just once, but twice. And he, he brings forth water and, and makes water that was bitter somehow water that was good to drink. When when the people were hungry, the Lord didn't leave them to starve. And instead, he sent quail and loads of quail. And, and then this thing that they called, what is it? The manna that they may have enough food to eat. They would gather it for the day or gather it for that day and the Sabbath and they would continually have enough to eat. And yet they had grumbled. When they saw the Egyptian armies coming, they grumbled. And yet what did the Lord do? The Lord paved a path for them to walk through and for the army to be consumed and them to be saved. Paul directs the followers of Christ in the Philippian church to say, don't go down the path of the Israelites of grumbling. Do everything without grumbling. I think sometimes... It feels good to get something off our chest, doesn't it? It feels, feels good at a point to, to say something that maybe we're frustrated with, that we're dissatisfied with, that isn't, isn't perhaps going the, the way we want. And so I think we need to do a little bit of work of defining what complaining is or the type of complaining. Complaining is not an expression of suffering. It's, it's not necessarily just an expression of frustration or confusion or, or something along that lines. What we're talking about now, the grumbling and complaining can be described this way. It's a repetitive expression of dissatisfaction, frustration, and blame for circumstances without our willingness to consider another person's perspective or potential solutions that was a long definition so i'll read it again so maybe you can get it right grumbling or complaining can be described this way a repetitive expression of dissatisfaction frustration and blame for circumstances without our willingness to consider others or potential solutions If we go back to the Israelites, first they grumbled and said, you're just going to bring us out here to die in this land because the army is approaching. If you heard the you're going to make us die is a repetitive thing that continues to happen in the Israelites. And they were unwilling to consider a possible solution that God had yet to be made known to them. And so what happens is Moses raises staff, and and the waters part, and they walk through. They were unwilling to consider what would happen. When they came upon waters that were bitter to drink, they complained. When they came upon areas that had no water, they complained without willingness to recognize that God might have a solution that's right in front of them. In John Calvin's commentary he says that murmuring this is a summary of it murmuring or complaints are pollutions that should never or will never come forth from the mind that has been purified. Murmurings or complaints are pollutions that will never come through the mind of those who have been purified by Christ. Because those who have been purified by Christ are, are working in their life to follow His example by being empowered by the Spirit to live out in a way that's honoring to the gospel that we have been called to live in a manner worthy. And this, this grumbling, is that's set aside. You've got to keep that away. We refrain from those expressions of dissatisfaction that are, that are repetitive. We we refrain from those those statements of frustration that, that we say without considering other people or possible solutions to those issues. We refrain from those. And we refrain from them because we have a mindset of humility which Paul has spoken of just directly before this passage that we would conduct ourselves in agreement with one another and refrain from that complaining in those repetitive actions. That we wouldn't have those secret contentions between one another. That we wouldn't even have open contentions between one another. And that's all based on this obedience that we have to Christ. It's all based on this first part of chapter 2 where Christ himself was obedient, and we're to model that obedience, and and his obedience led him to the cross, and we're not expected to necessarily go to the cross, but we are expected to be obedient to the way that he lived and what he calls us to. And and if we live that way, then then instead of following in the path of grumbling, following in the path of of the Israelite way, instead, we're going to pick up their vocation, which is is that all the peoples on the earth would experience who God is and be blessed by him. We, we pick up that vocation and, and walk forth in bringing Christ and God to others by not complaining, by living in humility, by listening, moving forth in our speech in a way that, that shows unity, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth as I said earlier, Emily asked, you know, can you make it through the week or the day without complaining? And I made it, I actually wrote down I only made it 40 minutes. I gave myself an extra five minutes earlier. But you, you made it that far. So, so what, what does it look like in our life to, to remove complaining from it? Well, for me then, it's, 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 it's to remove those repetitive expressions of frustration with the weather your law around me often enough, I don't like when it's hot, and I really actually don't like when it's cold. I don't know where I'm supposed to live, but I'm supposed to get rid of those repetitive statements of frustration because I'm not considering others in that. Because I know that there's people who perhaps their preference is that it's nice and hot, you know, that's why they go down to Florida in the winter, right? Uh, they, they like it to be to be warmer. Or there's those people that like the weather to be a certain way or, or even to, I'm not thinking of my potential solutions of walking in the house and not being outside. There's solutions for that minuscule, minor frustration, inconvenience in life. And, and that's really, I don't think what this is about. It's not about complaining about the weather, but but where is it too that we can make repetitive statements of a variety of things without considering another person or a possible solution? Where are, are those concerns in our life? Do we every time we drive by a gas station in the last six months complain about how the number is higher than what it was before? Do we complain about some behavior of some neighbor and feel like we need to go on a Facebook community to to share about that? Mike knows what I'm talking about. If you walk through the Princeton Estates Facebook group, you'll often find complaints you know, and, and things that I'm like, there's nothing we can do about that. Or maybe there is a possible solution, but instead they're just spewing it out there. Do we repetitively complain about how our day is going because it's not going exactly how we hoped? That we had additional people that that came into uh our purview in the day instead of looking those as opportunities for us to reflect God's character that we decided to complain, I didn't get my work done because that person came in here or that person got in my way. Complaining in life becomes so easy but we're called to something else, to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And and if we live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ in humility, in recognizing others as important, in purifying our speech and not complaining, then we will shine like the stars in the sky. How numerous... Would Abraham's descendants be as numerous as the stars in the sky and and were called into that vocation that the Israelites were to live in a way that honors God and brings others to him? That high standard that's so hard to do. That high standard that only Christ really could fulfill. And that's that's the beauty of it. Even though we're called to this standard, even though we'll likely fail, like on Friday when I was golfing and and I was complaining about the way I was hitting the ball or something like that. Christ has come to, to wash over those complaints. To, to, to put you in a standing with God where where you are his that 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 even though you'll struggle to make it through a whole day perhaps without complaining and without frustration, that he will continue to push you along, continue to guide you along the path where you you reduce your complaining and are brought forth into a different area of focusing on others, of, of considering others, of considering possible solutions, of looking at the world in a different way. And that's all done by the power of the Spirit in your life. The Spirit making you aware of those places that you fall short, that you could be lifted up into a new way of living. As we said right away, to take that that death and that sin and cast it off and spring forth that new fruit of life in our life.